right. Welcome to episode number 64 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording on April the 19th, 2020. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario, a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events. I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared and be able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. I'm Colin, a 21-plus year veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces. I'm a field officer with the CCFR, a welder, a reloader, and an outdoor enthusiast. That's you, Claire. Hi, Hi. I'm Claire, uh, proper newcomer, newfound enthusiasm for self-reliance, and for the record, the least experty expert that's ever been on the Canadian Prepper podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just fake it till you make it. Well, so we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Hughes from uh, Nova Scotia. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter and station chief, and also a volunteer search and rescue technician and a prepper. Um, I've been teaching, or sorry, I've been um, preaching the prepper lifestyle uh, and living it to varying degrees for the last six years or so. And this was born out of necessity for the uh, short and long-term survival of my family, which includes three young children. And if you want to help keep the Prepper Podcast on the air, buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at www.rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on in the backup generator fueled. Well, if you're enjoying the show, please uh, take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some uh, delicious content for you in this episode. Oh, that was, that was, that was just terrible, <laughs> terrible. Uh, we're going to start <laughs> off with some preparedness-related news articles. Uh, we're going to get into uh, what we've done since our last episode uh, for our preps, and then we're going to get into the main topic, which is cooking with what you have on hand. So we'll move into the news. Uh, I skipped the low-hanging fruit, corona, lockdown, death toll, blah, 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 blah. Something interesting. Two billion, that's with a B. Google Chrome users are at risk of a security flaw. Google urges everyone to update their browsers immediately. There's a link there to, from Forbes. That's a good idea. Hmm. Um, I couldn't resist. So Corona Beer is a victim of Corona. <laughs> so they, uh, I put oh an article in the notes because uh, due to the stupidity of people, I guess, they claim it's nothing to do with the disease, but their sales have fallen off a cliff. So Corona beer has been halted for production in the near and short-term future. So I guess it's uh, not Anheuser-Busch, but it's one of the other ones. Modelo, I think it is actually, that owns the, the rights to produce Corona. And they just said, yeah, I guess they haven't really sold more than a case or two since, <laughs> since this whole started. So I guess I was one of those two. And uh, yeah, that's it. No more Corona until this is all done. Huh, no more Corona until Corona's done. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are about 11 teenagers that are going to be disappointed by that. It's true. And me. <laughs> if right. you only bought it out of irony true <laughs> uh, Dosakis is much better isn't it oh boy here we go yeah. no, that's a discussion for later I guess <laughs> uh, so I've got one news article here from the CBC um, I'm sure everybody's heard uh, about the shootings in Nova Scotia with at least 13 people deceased uh, after a, a rampage um, unfortunately that uh, is still under investigation but uh, quick, uh, just quick note to it I'm sure we'll have lots more to discuss about that next week. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be a lot to unpack, I think, over time. Yeah. 
All right. Anybody else in the panel have news articles? All right. Let's move into uh, what we've done lately for preps. Sorry, that was me. Uh, so I've um, I've been preparing uh, my property for the spring and summer. Uh, so really, when the pandemic started, we we're still kind of in the dead of winter. Um, so I'm kind of shifting gears now to uh, getting the property ready. I'm going to be putting in a sizable uh, garden this summer, a little bit bigger than I have in the past, just because I feel as though there's more of a needer um, to to re rely on some some of my own vegetables and all that kind of stuff. Um, and just continuing with a heightened level of personal preparedness amid the on going pandemic so I'm not uh, buying or acquiring as much as I was in the past couple months because things are starting to kind of settle in um, but I'm still operating at that heightened level of um, awareness I guess all right uh, for myself I uh, started the gathering of reloading equipment so uh, I bugged the panel and did a little bit of research and finally went out and uh, got myself a brass tumbler so uh, I'm going to start there, and I figure I'll clean a bunch of brass, and once I get that all cleaned up, well, I'll have no choice but to reload it, so then I'll have to get a press of some sort. So went out and did that, and of course, more yard work and garden prep, because uh, isolation. What else is everybody doing, of course, out in the yard? Um, some of our seeds didn't take off, so uh, we dug those up, replanted, because we had one cherry tomato come up. The rest of them uh, seem to have flopped, but I think that's because we got a little... Uh, a little bit too uh, too into the watering and uh, drown the heck out of them. So uh, I'm gonna try her again and not drown them this time. Cool. Actually, yeah. that reloading is kind of like pulling at that sweater thread, right? You, once you start, that's it. It just <laughs> kind of snowballs from there and everything else. I've, I've noticed by the amount of Amazon and, and other uh, online <laughs> shops that are sending me things. <laughs> yeah, the thread has been pulled. And and also that brass is worth its weight in gold now. Like it's yeah. like. Gold, silver, and then brass, maybe lead first. I don't know, which is, you know, but yeah. anyway, as for myself, uh, yeah, once again, continuing my uh, buying and selling spree on CGN with various little parts and bits and everything else. Uh, let's see here. More coop destruction. So I had that one coop uh, that I've been working on lately. Uh, I got it down to the ground and, you know, I've exposed the old foundation and everything else, but I've actually been taking my sweet time because since I have the time, I decided to recover as much hardware as I could from there because uh, I used a bunch of those like super duper weatherproof deck screws and uh brackets and stuff so i'm trying to recycle reuse and reduce my expenses for the next project so um yeah i've been pretty busy with that actually uh rainproof some tools so after the long rainy wet jungle season that we had um you know trying to take care of some spot rust on everything outside pretty much so uh i usually have a big stock of like spray bombs for paint and just been you know sanding off the rust touching up paint where possible uh, let's see here. The wife's been doing a little bit of a planting, but I've been trying to assist as best I can. Um, unpacking seasonal equipment like the uh, splitter and the pressure washer and everything else to get all the mold off. I actually have mold on my truck this year, oh. which is weird. Just, it was hmm. just so so wet this year. It's crazy. Um, knocked down about another 15, no, maybe 10 trees, maybe, uh, for the power line maintenance. Just stuff that was overhanging the power line, including some really ugly stuff at the foot of our driveway. Uh, catching up on my sleep. Uh, as part of the, you know, mind, body, spirit thing, you know, it's like, uh, I'm a shift worker, so I got a lot of crazy hours at work and thanks to the lockdown, I've been able to get eight hours or better of sleep a night. So it's been fantastic. And I feel live, laugh, love sticker anywhere in your house yet. No, not yet, but I can, if you want, <laughs> I mean, I can change my hair and change my name to Karen or something if you want. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's been fantastic. So, uh, like I feel like hundred percent better just by getting like regular seat, which is good. Uh, see here, last week I did three podcasts in two days. So I was a guest on Slamfire Radio again. 
And nice. yeah, so it sounds like I might have another podcast come up here next week with another podcast. We'll see what happens. Uh, egg sales are way up. Uh, I think we've been cleaned out twice now this week with all of our eggs, which is very unusual considering the chickens have really ramped up production. And then I had a guy email me on CGN asking for 3,000 uh, pieces of 9mm brass, which I don't even have that much for myself anymore. So <laughs> he, he basically cleaned me out. So that's it. I Until I can get to the range again, I don't really want to sell anymore. So that's kind of funny, but that's never happened before. I've always had way too much. And yeah, it's a hot commodity. Almost like an apocalypse is happening. Almost like a supply and demand thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for me, but it's just been, you know, kind of tickety-boo. I've been, this has been the happiest, like two weeks or three weeks of my life since I got off work. So fantastic. Only three pages of notes for what we've done lately for you this week, Ian. That's uh, that's improvement over last time. Oh, just wait till next week. <laughs> eight, eight hours of sleep has brought you down the two and a half pages. <laughs> oh, but it's been so great. I, you know, I had an afternoon nap the other day. I was like, oh, this is, I feel like an old man, but it was oh, fantastic. Yeah. I had a nap yesterday. It's the best. I like. I apologize to my mother for all the times I fought her on naps when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, this week we bought a fun new chainsaw. It was a nice big uh, twenty-inch bar still. I uh, did some home repairs, uh, not necessarily out of desire, but out of necessity. I uh, went for a nice long hike yesterday, which was fun. Uh, it's been largely terrible weather, so we've been doing some indoor projects, which mostly involve Claire making delicious food. Awesome. I, got. Nice. I, um, I guess for myself, uh, because I've been spending a lot more time in the kitchen than, than normal, uh, I've discovered that I have a lot of chili powder. A lot of coriander, <laughs> a lot of du- doubles and triplicates of things, and a lot of empty spice bottles. So I started to go through it all in an attempt to be better organized and clean up and um, just to make my time in the kitchen a little bit less, uh, you know, less less time searching for things and uh, more organized. I also, uh, this winter, had the eaves trough kind of, a big portion of it fall off the house. So I had it essentially it was on one side hanging off my power line and off the other side it was hanging by one nail and it's blowing in the wind and it's full of dirt and asphalt. So today I actually got out there and safely removed about 30 or 40 feet of eavesdrop off the one side of my house. So that was great. A lot of yard work and prep i'm trying to get all the yard work done before the bugs come out mosquitoes black flies and everything else and that's been uh, quite an epic time because uh, i've neglected the last few years but this year i promised myself it would be a rock star awesome year in the backyard um some hot tub maintenance more barbecue maintenance a little bit of cleaning in the garage and um yeah, lots of time in the kitchen trying to explore some new ideas, some new things. So uh, I think that's about it for me. And I, I, I've i stocked up on every reloading supply I think is possible. I think I've bought all the Varget in Canada. So um, <laughs> Yeah, you got, a, you got an honorable mention on Slamfire last week because I guess uh, you talked to Denis there at, uh, at uh, RVDC there. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> bought his entire supply. I think he was the only... See, just another reason to support small businesses because they're the ones that have that bottle of Varget sitting on their shelf. Like Cabela's, you know, Canadian Tire or wherever, you just you can't get it at a big shop right now. So, you, you know, use your imagination, shop around. And a lot of people are still operating online. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, so support the small businesses. It's time for them to thrive. So. Yep. 
That's it for me. All right, shall we move into the main topic then? Uh, Hughes, you got anything for uh, oh, Hughes. what you did in preps? No, he's good. Yeah, Hughes went. Oh, okay, I sorry. Went. Yep. All right, Keep main up, topic yeah. time. Ian, you're first up. I think we lost Ian. Um, no, uh, there we oh, go. He's back. Uh, so yeah, no, it's uh, see here. Sorry, I thought I saw Eric's name, but never mind. Uh, I didn't really have much to say on this one because I was going to actually just be the guy asking dumb questions today. But uh, I did <laughs> pass on it. It's it's my forte. So uh, no, I did pass on a recipe to Colin for him to try. But uh, and I posted up on the Facebook page as well about uh, using ground beans, which is something we all kind of have in the closet to uh, to make like muffins with, which is an unusual recipe. But uh, one thing we decided to try this week was uh, to try and amp up the egg salad because we had. Up until recently, no shortage of eggs until we sold out. Uh, so we made some curry egg salad. So we just kind of uh, tried a little something different. It was fantastic. So over toast, uh, a little curry egg salad, fantastic. And it was all with spices we had on hand, eggs we grew ourselves and everything else. And uh, it was pretty good. And it's also, if you want to skip the bread, you can do keto with uh, celery or whatever if you want. And it's uh, it was fantastic. I've done it before with chicken salad, but uh, it's pretty good. There's a recipe online called uh, Coronation Chicken, which is basically the same idea. Um, it's what they served during Queen Elizabeth's coronation, but uh, yeah, it's pretty good. You're getting fancy, yeah. Well, I you know, I figured like because you can only have eggs and rice so many times, and you know, beans and rice and something in rice if with all your preps. So, if you got stored prep food, you might as well try and change it up a bit so you don't get dietary fatigue, which I think is a bit of an issue, right? Absolutely, it is, yep. yeah. Because, like, if somebody has like 20 cases of tuna and you know, 10 bags of rice, and all they can do is like tuna on rice with no spices it's gonna put three days in you're gonna be like i'm done even when there's no lockdown and there's leftovers in the fridge i almost lean towards doing something <laughs> different than having the, the leftovers right so come lockdown time you're repeating quite a bit so well you also end up with dietary uh dietary gaps too uh they used to call it what rabbit starvation where you can eat all the rabbits you want but it doesn't have a specific mineral that you need to survive Oh yeah, actually, the wife did want to mention that too because most of our preps are just either carbs and and or protein. Um, vegetables are an issue, so I guess that's where foraging is going to come into play. Uh, if you want fresh greens uh, for at least the warm season, and then um, also you can do sprouting inside during the cold season. So if you you know don't have access to vegetables or whatever, maybe start thinking about indoor sprouting or foraging just to complement your stored preps just to get a little more variety in the diet and make sure you don't end up like Alan said, like short on certain nutrients and minerals because of the monotony of your diet. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess for me, um, bread, lots of bread. I see uh, Colin was making some sourdough, so I'm, I'm pretty jealous of that. I think that's yeah. the thing I'd like to do, but that's good. Um, one thing I started making was uh, things like um, English muffin bread, which the kids love. Um, one of the big things in Nova Scotia here is um, molasses brown bread, so with oats and molasses and stuff. So um, been making that once a week. The kids are e- e- eating it up. We usually um, are to the point where the loaves of breads that I was buying at the store were going bad, uh, but the kids are eating all the stuff I'm making. So that's really good. The only problem is that we are running out of flour and uh, yeast is uh, not to be found anywhere in the grocery stores around here. So um, I don't know how long I'll be able to bake for, but um, 
So there's that. Um, another thing is that uh, restaurants to take out have come to a stop. So we used to do it at least once a week where we'd have it, you know, there's only two restaurants in the community I live in. So there's a, p- a pizza shop and a Chinese um, restaurant. So it was either kind of one or the other, but that's kind of come to a stop. So um, we're making a lot of those and recreating a lot of those meals in house. And it really gives a chance for the kids to get involved in making pizza, especially because the kids can make their own pizzas. They really get um, into that kind of stuff. So I think that that's been good, not only from being able to make that stuff at home and saving some money, but um, also to get the kids involved. Um, one thing we've done that I've never done before is making homemade pasta and homemade pesto. Um, obviously, a lot of us have a little bit more time on our hands, so um, that's something I've been trying my hand at. Uh, and I think it's something I'd like to keep doing after the pandemic um, should um, time allow, right? Because these things are um, things that we've come to rely on, packing, buying packaged goods like pasta and pesto, um, and you know they're readily available in store, they're cheap, um, but it's so much better when you make it um, uh, yourself. So there's that, and we're also trying to move away from prepackaged snacks for the kids, um, trying to make our own. A lot of it is vegetables, fruits, cheese, crackers, and stuff. And then I think the last thing is uh, we've started making baked beans from scratch. So um, up until now, I've I'd never done this. I've only ever had um, you know canned beans, um, but we bought uh, the dried beans. We soaked them overnight, uh, and we make baked beans from scratch. So I think these are things that you know post pandemic, um, I definitely like to keep doing, um, time permitting, because um, they're so much better. But they do take a lot of time, and um, they do take a lot of uh, resources, I guess. But um, other than the usual stuff, that's some stuff that we've been doing here at home for the past few weeks. Um, I don't know if you guys have been doing that kind of stuff as well or trying to experiment, I guess. Well, well actually, certainly been baking bread. Yeah, yeah. Well, was it you, Colin, that uh, shared that recipe on the YouTube from that one lady that uh, did that uh, quick and easy bread? Well, actually, it's funny because since this pandemic started, we've actually inspired two different Facebook groups. Uh, one, we call it uh, Boogaloo Bread. Nice. And it's a private group. It was actually uh, started by Ryan Stacy. And uh, we've added a bunch of people, and that's where I learned about sourdough bread, so or a sourdough starter. So, um, let's say your mother made bread, and or your grandmother, and she made it with yeast. Well, her mother probably didn't have yeast that she bought at the store. She made sourdough starter, and when you make a sourdough starter, you're basically using just flour and water, and you're feeding that mixture every day with the same proportions of flour and water. And it's taking yeast out of the air and bacteria out of the air to make a culture that can be used to make bread. And uh, sourdough bread uh, freezes well. And it comes, like, I mean, it comes back from the freezer quite well. So I've started a sourdough starter. And actually tomorrow I'm going to try my first loaf of sourdough bread and see how that comes out. But uh, I've been making uh, pizza. I've been making uh the one thing that inspired this, uh, I guess, um, the whole bread making thing was uh, that video you were talking about, Ian. It's uh, four ingredients. It's flour, salt, yeast, and water. And there's almost no kneading involved. It's really, really simple. You can just throw it all in a bowl, mix it up, and uh, put some saran wrap on the bowl, leave it for an hour, come back to it put a bit of flour on it, you know, and uh, throw it back in a bowl and throw a cloth over for about another hour. And you can, uh, I use a cast iron pot and uh, we just put the uh, dough on uh, some parchment paper in the pot with a lid on it, uh, 450 for half an hour. And at the half hour mark, I take the parchment paper out and remove the lid and give it about another 
10 minutes to kind of brown up the crust. And it makes a nice little round uh, European-looking loaf. It's very crusty on top, crusty on the bottom, but nice and soft in the middle. Um, and so I've been making at least one or two of those a day because my son and I are eating those like crazy. So I'm going to turn it into the Pillsbury Doughboys. So. Roll out of the corn. <laughs> no. Yeah, straight. Get it now, I, cardio. I did notice that uh, I bought some flour at the grocery store, and it's about doubled in price because of supply and demand. But I had a little two and a half kilogram bag of Robin Hood all-purpose flour. I was buying for eight dollars for a little two and a half kilogram bag. But I went to my uh, a place called National Grocers, which is a wholesaler place in uh, Pembroke here. And I bought a 20 kilogram bag of flour for $16. So for the same price as I paid for five kilograms, I got 20 kilograms. I got 20 so kilograms. Got, That's a Costco the other day for 13 bucks. Wow. Nice. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. So I'm just going <clears> to <throat> keep on going with the bread and different bread ideas. We also use the bread. I cut it up and we made croutons. You know, you can oh, drizzle yeah. some oil on them and some herbs and spices, and you can do it on a cookie sheet in the oven or to kind of dry them out a bit. So I made uh, Tracy a Caesar salad with that, and I made her uh, what I call my pandemic pizza, and I did it on the barbecue. <clears throat> we did it on the barbecue, and I used a cold smoke tube to smoke it with hickory smoke on top of a uh, pampered chef's stone. So that was as close uh, to an, as a, an adobe as I could get to make a thin crust kind of pizza. And I can always forward those uh, recipes on. They're really basic and simple. Actually, I'm surprised how simple they are. So I've been kind of inspired to to do more stuff like that. And uh, when that bread group, actually now everyone's posting all kinds of stuff, not just bread. So it is inspiring. And it's good to see us getting back to a point where we can feed ourselves stuff that's fresh and wholesome and probably better for our family anyway. And Hey, you know, we're not going out here and there and everywhere, you know, dad's not sneaking a burger at McDonald's <laughs> and coming home and throwing a sandwich at my son. We're actually sitting down together and having a meal together, which is great. Uh, nice. I've also been kind of inspired. I love, love pickled eggs. So here nice. is some pickled eggs that I've had. This is uh, three weeks now. Uh, with some hot peppers, pickling spice, you know, all the usual shenanigans. And uh, I'm actually pretty impressed. Uh, I think they're going to turn out great. What I'm really impressed by is I tried. I've never heard of anyone doing this before. So I'm sure someone has, but I've never heard of it, is uh, radishes. I made pickled radishes. I've never heard so, of that. Um, nice. Yeah, nice. actually. And if you've ever had a pickled carrot, you know, they're very crispy. These are very crispy too, but it just has just a little bit more zing to it. But I'm actually impressed. I'm going to make this again. Some so, things you could probably try, uh, Colin, as well, is um, I've had a lot of luck with, because um, we used to have a lot of asparagus here in my garden and um, uh, like string beans as well. Uh, pick, mm -hmm. Pickling those guys. Um, I got the idea because uh, Costco was selling pickled asparagus and uh, green beans. Um, and I decided to try it out for myself because the package version, even at Costco, was quite expensive, right? So, 
Um, exactly, and one thing you mentioned yeah. as well, um, we got a knockoff big green egg a few years ago. Um, and I mean, I don't use it as much as I'd like to because it is a charcoal barbecue, so it takes a while to start up and all that kind of stuff. But um, having a pizza, instead of throwing in the oven, we also have like one of those uh, pizza stones. You make the pizza in the big green egg, um, the knockoff, I'm sorry, um, and having that, that smokiness added to the cheese is just beyond amazing. So, well, um, that, that's exactly. Uh, no, that's awesome. I also made some mozzarella cheese this week and I was actually making a video to, uh, to show you guys and uh, Tracy had to leave a little early today. So uh, she did all the video taking, so I didn't get a chance to edit it all and put it together, but I made some mozzarella cheese and funny enough, I was making this pizza for Tracy and I was trying to impress her and I had this tiny little leftover piece of marble cheese in my fridge and I went, Oh, Oh, so I grated up my mozzarella cheese I made like half an hour before. I used the whole thing and put that on the pizza. So it was homemade dough, homemade pizza sauce, uh, homemade cheese, and I got some uh, green onion that I grew in the house. Actually, I regrew it, should I say. Nice. I bought, bought from the store. I cut it all down to however much I was going to use, and then I put it in water. And it perked up after a day or two, and I put it in dirt, and they they just rocked it. I could get usually two or three grows out of, yeah, out of some green that. onions from the store, and so I've been doing that. Um, so anyway, it was nice. kind of great to to make a pizza that was almost entirely, you know, homemade. Uh, very few things were bought at the store. I put some bacon on it, and pineapple, and you know, uh, some hot peppers and stuff like that. So. So just, first of all, um, party at Colin's house for one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just and, thinking the same thing. Yeah, I was like, I know. Uh, actually, I did join that Boogaloo Bread group just as you were talking there because I was like, oh, yeah, I totally got to join that. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's amazing that that recipe you did mention on the YouTube there that uh, requires the um, the cast iron pots. We've got the same thing, like the ceramic coated cast iron. But it'd also mm -hmm. be good for a Dutch oven. So for those people that have the Dutch ovens, it's uh it's the type of bread that you can actually easily make in one of those so over a campfire or you know outdoors or whatever it's uh it is a fantastically simple little recipe so i threw that in the show notes as well just for the listeners uh they can take a peek in there afterwards yeah we've got one comment in the, the live chat here too from uh, evan just in regards to uh freezing bread it freezes great uh it's got a couple of loaves in the freezer take it out 15 20 minutes at room temp it's good to go or just take a slice out and throw it in the toaster so it's a great point you know, speaking of that, um, another thing that my mom used to do as a kid is she would make a whole batch of French toast and then she would freeze it. And huh. then, uh, you know, we'd get up in the morning, uh, you know, especially, you know, uh, first responders and stuff, they don't have all the time in the world yep. to get up and get going sometimes. So it's easy to take your freezer French toast out, throw it in the toaster. Voila. It's, yeah. it's funny you, you mentioned that. I, like um, I think it was Friday or Saturday morning. I made French toast for the family and the recipe I used ended up making like almost like a, a dozen and a half slices of French toast. And I mean, you know, my kids are, you know, fairly young. So after one piece, they're kind of done. So anyways, I ended up putting, um, I think it was about, yeah, it was 12 slices of, of cooked uh, French toast with parchment paper in between the layers and freezing it. And this morning, exactly like you said, I, I took one out of the freezer, I put it in the um, uh, the toaster, I hit the defrost but, uh, but button, and it was it was done. It was great. You put some some maple syrup on it, which uh, my neighbor made um, by collecting sap from the trees around our properties. And there you go. That's it. So nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Just speaking about the stores, um, I just wanted to add to that, um, you know, a few weeks ago, at least grocery stores around my area were starting to run low on things like, you know, uh, baked goods and, and dairy and all that kind of stuff. Eggs, especially eggs were all gone. Um, I was uh, at the grocery store on Friday and everything is restocked as it was like pre-pandemic, aside from flour and yeast. Those are the two things hmm. that the store seems to not have. But I mean, um, the toilet paper and, and paper tile aisles, at least here, are fully restocked. Um, dairy, eggs, bakery, all of that stuff is back in stock. Uh, the produce is all back. So I'm slowly starting to, um, I had bought quite a bit of food. Um, this is like, um, you know, shelf-stable, like canned goods and pasta and all that kind of stuff prior to the pandemic that I'm now starting to add more often to my pantry and, and buying less because I'm realizing that at least for the time being, things are settling out and um, not that I'm going to go to a level that's unsafe, but I'm not hoarding as much, so to speak, or prepping as much, so to speak, when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, we're starting to see the same here. The grocery stores are slowly starting to fill the shelves back up. So yeah, it's, uh, it's and, and they, they they said that. I mean, everything. Like, I mean, anybody, whether it be in U.S. or Canada, that works in the food industry is considered essential. So, um, you know, the 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 food is still there. It was just a matter of the supply chain trying to catch up with people that were panic buying, right? Yeah. Because, um, like we spoke to before, um, they have just just. Um, I forget what the term is, but they're basically bringing stuff to the grocery store as consumers use it and they don't have on-time delivery on-time delivery. Thank you. Um, so it was just a matter of the supply chain catching up. And I think for the most part it has, um, the only thing is, is things like they said, you know, we have enough flour. We just have to get it to the stores. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when people see bare shelves, they continue to panic buy. So of course they'll see like, you know, a couple things of, of five pounds of flour and they'll buy all of them because they think that it's not going to, it's not going to come back again. Right. So, yep. I would also point out in the in the absence of flour, you can make a lot of uh, like adaptations at home. So if you have a whole like seventeen kilos of oatmeal, like we may or may not have in our basement, uh, it's really really <laughs> simple to make oat flour by pulsing like in a food processor or blender, um, and substitutes really well for bread flour because it, it absorbs quite a lot of That's um, a good idea of water. Yeah. And uh, to Hughes's point, I'm kind of the same. Like it. I'm like, we have so much, you know, money and canned goods and, and shelves. So I'm trying not to go to the store, of course, and trying to use substitutes. So where we are also out of yeast, there's no shortage of beer. So you can also use beer quite readily uh, as a substitute for yeast in bed, in savory baking. Um, uh, I never thought about especially. that. I, um, yeah, I've got quite a bit of yeast. Um because I make I make my own spirits and all that kind of stuff, and I, I never thought that I had yeast in the house when it comes to the spirit making stuff. I don't know how well it would adapt to making bread. Um, brewers used to make bread, but I guess I could try it. I can tell you about that because actual <laughs> beard, like brewed beer, makes excellent baked goods. It's like oh, wow. airy. You get like the holes in it, like that really beautiful. Yes, it's oh. awesome. I might start a no. craft bakery. <laughs> <laughs> I never, never thought of that. Question about that. I have a question about that because I know with brewing beer, you kind of have two schools of thought. You know, you have uh, beer that you make yourself, and uh, you know there's a lot of sediment and there's stuff in the beer. It's not completely filtered. And then there's the other school of thought where, like the beer you buy at the store, everything's so uber filtered and they carbonate it after the fact. So I'm wondering, is there enough yeast in store bought beer? to kind of use as a substitute. 
you know what? That's a really good question because that's one of the reasons why I can't <clears throat> I can't filter beer and cider that I make at home because I carbonate it in the bottle. And I was told that if I filter the beer or cider prior to bottling it, I'm not going to be able to carbonate it because the filtering process takes the yeast out. Um, so what what happens when I when I bottle these products is I put what's called a priming sugar, um, which is just a little bit of of um, uh, like corn sugar um, in th- in the batch before I bottle it, and then the yeast will eat away at that residual sugar and carbonate it. And from what I understand, once you filter it, it's not going to carbonate because you're filtering the yeast out. Um, so, I mean, I think calling some unfiltered beers, like some uh, white wheat um, unfiltered beers and all that kind of stuff, they may have the yeast still left in them as long as they're unfiltered. Uh, but for the most part, like your Budweiser, your Coors Light, and all that kind of stuff, I think that stuff is filtered to the point where there probably isn't yeast left in it or any usable yeast that's left in it, right? So, and That's why also a sourdough starter is great. And it's there's some complicated recipes out there, but basically if you just took 50 grams of flour and 50 grams or 50 milliliters of water and mixed it up, and left it for a day, that's day one. You do that same process for seven days, and you'll start to notice that it starts to bubble a little bit here and there. It starts to rise a little bit, and it gets really sour smell to it. That's the name, sourdough bread. And so, you know, like I say, that's one way also to um, to kind of do it, but it takes a minimum of seven days to kind of get started. Now, some oh, people I think we've have got Tom sa- in our hands. <laughs> Some people have sourdough starter that's 100 years old because as long as you don't use it all, you'll never be out. You can just keep adding flour and water to it and to grow it in volume and and keep the bacterial culture going because what you're doing is you're feeding that yeast that's been introduced into that uh, mixture. And if you don't keep feeding it, it'll eventually die. Now, what some people do is that once they get their culture started, um, they put it in the fridge and then they only have to feed it once a week because it's basically just slowed it down a bit. So um, one, I guess that's one thing, why I'm interested in the sourdough. Yeah. One thing too I found interesting was we have a cookbook here um, which was uh, given to us that I never really use and it's basically old time recipes from the church auxiliaries um, dating back 100 to 150 years here in the province. A lot of them are very simple recipes that you could make with only locally sourcing great ingredients because 150 years ago there weren't any oranges or bananas or anything like that. No Nova Scotia, right? It was potatoes, lobster, and you know just just the things that you would have on hand here here locally. So um, I've made quite a few recipes out of that book in the last few weeks, just trying to. Um, see how how much of the locally sourced stuff I can get, and I'm kind of getting excited about it. And I, I never thought I'd say this, but to the fact that a lot of these recipes I'm seeing in this book are things that I can grow in my own garden and not necessarily have to go to the grocery store. Now, I'm not saying I'm never going to go to the grocery store again because my kids don't have goldfish; they're probably going to go on a hiatus here, right? But <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that you know it it might be a good opportunity if the pandemic te- teaches us anything that you know we can spend a lot more time um, growing and 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 making uh, our own food at home, right? And I think, um, you know, like I said earlier, making my own baked beans and making my own pasta, that's something I've never done before. I'd like to continue doing, but I think it's something I'll definitely have to dedicate time to um, on a Sunday or something and make, making it because typically on a normal work day where I end 
stop work, working at five. Um, I mean, I'm okay to eat supper at seven, but the kids aren't. So, you know, I've got to have supper ready and I don't necessarily have the time. So I think um, time was the limiting factor. Um, that's something I have a lot of now. So I think that's why I'm able to make these. And I think it's just a fine finding a way of making a fish, making this efficient. So I don't have to revert back to, you know, packaged goods, which quite honestly we're still going to use um because we live quite busy lifestyles and i think whenever we can i'd like to continue living like we do now not not sequestering our own homes with you know your wife and kids for 24 hours a day but um you know just some of the things that i've learned in terms of baking cooking all that kind of stuff i'd like to continue to do post pandemic i guess it's actually kind of funny, like you mentioned the old cookbooks there that uh like 100 plus years old Back then, wasn't like a lobster considered to be like cruel and unusual punishment if you made somebody eat it all the time? Well, it was, so it was used in orphanages or something, wasn't it? So Amy's grandmother, um, her father was a lobster fisherman, and and back in the day, it was considered a, a like a peasant food. I mean, it, it was this was something that she, you know her family ate like six to seven day days a week. It was basically lobster and potatoes day after day because it was free. He was a fisherman; didn't cost him anything. And now I remember being in Toronto, you know, I guess a few months ago now, and they. Said, said uh, lobster mar- market price and I asked what the what the market price was and I think it was like 36 bucks a pound and I'm like I mean I get this stuff <laughs> off the back of a truck for six or seven bu- bucks a pound here and that's still kind of expensive right but 36 dollars a pound and the minimum was two pounds for lobsters <laughs> anyways I'm not going to keep going on about that but yeah you're you're ready <laughs> and that lobster used to be considered like a peasant food right and now it's yeah. considered a delicacy in Toronto apparently so but we had the same thing uh, back in the prairies, like um, like a lot of the not just the church auxiliaries, but a lot of the uh, the you know the settler types. They'd all kind of get together and put together like a, a local cookbook from like their local county and yeah. stuff, and, and recipes the recipes they all came up with for local foods as well, right? And uh, yeah, some of those are. I think my mom still got a few of them in her little cooking library. I'm sure I'll get a hold of sooner or later. Now, one thing is you can you can date the book by the measurements that they use. So if they say like the crumbs of a penny, the crumbs of a penny loaf instead of like a teaspoon, you're like, oh, you, you're gonna have to Google it to see what are the crumbs of a penny loaf. <laughs> yeah, get the farthings to the yard arm and stuff like that. But uh, actually, the Albertan brought up a good point. They're uh, fiddleheads. This is the season for that, uh, especially where I live right now. Uh, which are, the, of course, baby sprouts of a fern. Uh, looked like the little top of a fiddle, and uh, they are quite edible, quite nice, but it, after they get beyond a certain age, you can't eat them anymore. Also, we have uh, wild asparagus coming up right now, uh, which oh. is kind of cool. So I was just noticed those on the walk this morning. So, yeah, there's there's greens if you know where to look, and I guess uh, uh, plantain and a couple other ones, like uh, not the banana type, but the actual like green shoots, they're pretty much available year-round here. So, um, I think yeah, rhubarb awesome. is pretty early season two, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, because we'll yeah. typically make a lot of like rhubarb, strawberry pies, and all that kind of stuff with that here. So, and yeah, the Alberta mentioned prairie chicken and potatoes. Like, first of all, prairie chicken is not peasant food. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I love my dish chicken like the next guy. Like, and if you have a teriyaki grouse, uh, it is fantastic. It sure is. Asparagus uh, is a great proper food too because it grows so fast. Every two or three yeah. days, you have to go cut it down. I actually tried to get rid of an asparagus plant that was growing close to the ditch by my old farmhouse. And I, I hacked at it with an ax. I did everything. They just kept coming back, it kept coming back and it grows so fast. So and I couldn't so help but think to myself, too. what's that? And it's so expensive in store. Yeah. I mean, I, I refuse to buy asparagus unless it's like, you know, like $2 a bunch. Cause I mean, if not, like you, you get to the cash register and they're like, it's 12 bucks for asparagus. I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't need asparagus that bad. 
that was the other thing I started some bucket potatoes. So just out of fun, I, uh, I planted some potatoes in some five gallon pails that have uh, holes in the bottom. And I have another pail that it sits nestled in that basically catches any, uh, any drain drain off from the bucket. So I actually have it in my house now trying to start it cause it's too cold to start them outside. So I'm just trying to learn as I go. And as an experiment, I use some of the soil for my garden because I've been augmenting my soil for about seven years. And this year I actually got motivated enough to get the garden rolling and this black, black soil. And it looks awesome. But I realized something when I did the bucket potatoes is that it's more like peat moss and it's almost spongy. So now I realize I'm going to get a bundle of uh, pro mix and probably just mix it in with my soil or topsoil or something like that. So it has a little better drainage. So now is a good time to kind of, play around with this stuff and uh, kind of get it right. So I did plant a whole bunch of uh, in peat pellets, uh, tomato plants, peppers, and then in some pots, I did some spinach and some green onions. And uh, I'm just thinking, you know, if there is a supply shortage down the road or the price of produce goes way up because of uh, this pandemic, at least I'll be able to augment my own diet with fresh food that I've grown myself. And, uh, you know, worst case scenario, I've learned something. Well, all the master gardeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I did hear is that there is, um, from what I hear, a looming um, a shortage on meats. I guess there's a lot of the, uh, the big, um, for example, a lot of the big pork factories down in the States. Uh, I believe Tyson and Cargill and a few other ones have had to shut, shut down because a lot of the workers in those factories have started to test positive. And I think there was one in uh, South Dakota that was processing, I believe, 40,000 pigs a day uh, had to shut down. And I think they said that that was at least 5 or 6% of the U.S. market um, was, was processed through that factory alone. So that's going to have a ripple effect um, here to Canada as well because a lot of the pork products does come from the United States. Um, so if not shortages, you're probably going to see prices skyrocket on that stuff right so um i've been that's one thing i have not stopped kind of hoarding because that's stuff that i can freeze easily and i have no concerns about uh being able to keep that uh frozen so while the gong's good i'm i'm still buying it up and i mean if we have to go from eating meat you know five six days a week to one or two then that's fine but i also don't want to pay like 20 bucks a pound for pork right so i put my backpacker to use the other day just getting ready yeah. Well, a couple that. You, well, a couple that with the shutdown in China, where they had like uh, was it a quarter of the world's pigs were put down because of swine flu over in China. Like that was like two months ago. It's really? been a bad year for that. But um, wow. yeah. So, I guess uh, on that topic, uh, I got I bought a pressure canner because you can uh-huh. pressure can your meat, and then mm-hmm. you're not using up all your freezer space, and it can make some delicious soft amazing uh meat that you just you know have it in can sized portions and then there again you have portion control so instead of colin eating a giant you know 16 18 ounce ribeye you know i'm eating something maybe a little more appropriate but uh i know i've eaten some canned venison that uh, tracy did up and uh i was kind of like dang where have you been all my life so i i got a pressure canner it's uh presta is the brand name and i purchased that one specifically because you can get replacement parts, replacement seals, gauges, and uh, um, all the different parts and pieces on Amazon, and they'll deliver it right to my door. So I have a 23-quart pressure canner on the way, and we're just going to go ham on uh, 
maybe canning some meat and I'll learn uh, nice. another skill there. So. so Colin, is that the same as a regular pressure cooker you make food in or is that specifically for canning? No, it's for canning. Well, is it? Okay. It, it does the same function except for in a pressure cooker, you have no real way of knowing how much pressure is inside that pressure cooker. But when you're taking a glass jar, putting it <gasps> right, in a pressure okay. cooker, you want to make sure that they don't rupture. It can only take so much pressure and certain foods require different pressures and different times. And you can get recipes for all kinds of things. Like you can pressure can just about anything. Um, when it comes to pickling, like say my pickled eggs, which I'm going to open right now and try them is, uh, you know, you don't get the um, smell through the podcast. That's, that's what no. I like. <laughs> no, but you know, I'd have to tell you that I added dill to this and chili peppers Nice. And garlic, and actually, it smells pretty good right now. But I'm wondering because I was in. wondering too if um, you could use um, an Instapot for canning, but you probably can't because, like you said, you have to know what pressure you're you're making yeah. this stuff at, right? So yeah, the biggest difference is the pressure can has a pressure gauge on it, whereas a normal uh, pressure cooker does not. It might have a rocker valve and a a blow off valve, but it doesn't yeah. have that. It's yeah, funny. I was watching a video where a guy was making his own pressure pressure cooker, but what he was using was a pot, and then he had vice grips around the lid holding it to the pot. I was like, don't know that CSA yeah. approved there. Yeah. <laughs> they also uh, they use weights. making a bomb, buddy. <laughs> yeah, they used uh, these weights to regulate the pressure. So once it reaches a certain pressure, they, the, the weights get blown off by the steam. And Got so it. it just maintains a nice even pressure for you. But that's, as I mentioned, to call and try uh, pressure canning butter uh, rather than serving it in your freezer if you get a, bu a bunch of butter. It's uh, it's interesting for sure. <laughs> when the you price of meat uh, skyrockets and you need some tips on vegan cooking, I'll be here for you. Because I'm like, <laughs> I'll talk about the price of meat and I'm like, I don't care about this. Well, like, I'm done. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I'm dying to hear about the collie pizza, so I was like, I was like, come on, we got to get to this point. Because <laughs> I saw the pictures, so I, I you got to tell us about that too. Yes, for sure. Care about it. Oh, no problem. So I just wanted to say something uh, in regards to collie and all everything you're pickling. Make sure you save all the the juice after, because if you marinate um, your chicken in there or tofu, in my case, it's the best thing. Trust me. Like soak like marinate it in like pickling brine and then deep fry the chicken after it's outrageous so good nice Save all it's that like juice. so it was, would it taste like a deep fried pickle then it, yeah. uh, kind of like i so we actually i did it when um when al was on like pretty heavy into keto and i saw a recipe where it was like soak it in um, pickle juice and then you coat it in ground up uh pork rinds instead of breadcrumbs mm -hmm. and then fry it and it was Literally the best thing ever. That does sound amazing. Oh, it was I'm so good. It. Like, it was a dupe for, I think, like Chick-fil-A. Um, and so I made it. And it was like, now we don't throw away any of our pickle juice. Like, So we have like, all these cans of pickle juice in the fridge waiting for something to marinate. It's fantastic. I guess with the, with the salt soften, the, whatever you're putting in there. Or like oh, yeah. Least, yeah. It's like the tenderest, chicken tenders, tenderest. What a word. But uh, fantastic. Well, because if you think about it, I mean, when you brine chicken, that's all it is, right? It's water and salt, so that, that goes a long way to soften the meat and stuff, so. Oh, yeah. Cauliflower crust think, pizza. Yeah. I, I, that was my segue. It was pretty good, right? Yes, please. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Let's hear about it. So, for sure. So, um, usually, um, you can do it a couple of ways. During this time, the price of cauliflower has been really really high in the last i would say eight to ten months because of everyone doing keto um uh, before that it was like 99 cents a head and now sometimes like i've seen it for eight dollars 
um, if you're not growing it yourself. So frozen cauliflower is a really good option. Um, get it at like Costco, Wholesale Club, in a big bag. Um, and basically you're just using it and the flour of your choice, um, usually almond flour in our house. Again, low carb and all of that. But any flour, oat flour, wheat, whole wheat flour, whatever you like. Um, couple eggs, form it into a crust, super high heat, but it makes like excellent, excellent crust if you are running into issues finding flour, as we can tell is a bit of a problem at the moment. Sure. Um, you can also use it for like any any baked goods. You can pretty much sneak it in there um, in place of kind of the meat of the thing, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, and that one we made entirely with pantry <laughs> items. So um, like I said, we're really trying to not go to the store and, and in the interest of actually using the prep, <coughs> Uh, and, the, and the food stored in the basement and kind of rotating through it. So um, just some canned tomatoes and um, canned mushrooms. And say what you will about canned mushrooms, it makes an excellent pizza. Um, you know, hot peppers, yep. cured meats. Like we always have a lot of like cured meats on the hand, so nice long shelf life. Um, and you can definitely make some cheese if you're as ambitious as Colin or um, go with whatever's on hand, but obviously cheese has a long shelf life as well last now for the cheese do you not need unpasteurized milk or well can you, use pasteurized you know milk? you can you want to get it you want to try and get milk that's the highest fat content as possible typically and the least amount of processing now there are some places around that you know do the bare minimum because they have to pasteurize it somewhat to sell it um but no, I just go and buy the homogenized milk from the store, usually four okay. liters, yields about uh, about half a kilogram of mozzarella. And I do things like I dehydrate like uh, jalapenos in the oven and I'll make like a jalapeno herb mozzarella. And then I go even a step further and I'll cold smoke it on the barbecue with some maple or apple or something like that. So you have some smoked... Uh, cheese and then i can just vacuum seal it and leave it in the fridge and let those uh that's that smell and the cheese kind of builds a little bit of flavor in the fridge typically now, one, one thing i'd be interested in if i if i ever go down that road is um making like hard cheeses but coating them in wax as well so you don't have to refrigerate yeah. them and they have a longer shelf life and uh, i was going to ask ian too because um ian's the chicken man the egg man um do you refrigerate your eggs or do you just kind of coat them in a light coat of oil and well, how, do you, all, how do you keep those? We've tried everything. So we mentioned the glassing eggs about six months ago, and they're still sitting in my closet. I haven't even bothered to <laughs> break them out yet. Um, <laughs> so we, we've tried the glassing eggs thing, and so far, no smell. So that's good. Uh, we've tried the mineral oil thing. Uh, there's yeah. two types of mineral oil, light and heavy. Make sure you use light because the heavy one will give you diarrhea. Um, and that's just something you can sit and leave them on the counter. But honestly, when they come out of the chicken, we, uh, we grab them, and you can leave them on the counter up to three weeks as long as you leave the, what they call the bloom on it, which is basically what – is the coating that comes out of the chicken with. Right. Uh, once you wash off the bloom, it has to be refrigerated because then you're basically allowing oxygen into the egg, which is going to cause oxidation slash rot. So, so commercial so, eggs we buy at the grocery store, they have the bloom, must have the oh, bloom removed, right? Yeah, it's actually a really sad story. So the eggs you're eating at Costco, uh, basically have the bloom washed off, they're washed in bleach, and then they're basically left in a, in a warehouse for up to about three months uh, before they actually are served up to you at Costco. <laughs> So, yeah, it's actually kind of disgusting. When you actually start doing some digging of how long the eggs sit in a warehouse before they actually get to you, the consumer, it is insane. And that's why ours tastes much better. 
<laughs> so, wow. I have a question for you, Ian. Yeah. I've noticed that farm eggs, I have a hell of a time making a hard-boiled egg and get being able to peel the shell off and it coming out like a store-bought hard-boiled egg. Do you have any any reflections yeah. on that? I, I'm going to get my wife to put a comment on the YouTube there, I think, because uh, I can't remember if it's hot water. I think it's cold water. But basically, yeah, the, the shell sticks crazy like hard to the uh, the fresher eggs. The fresher the egg is, the harder time you have getting the shell off. Um, okay. But basically, I think it was after you've hard-boiled them, dunk them in cold water, and you should have an easier time getting the shell off. But uh, uh, so that's my, what I do normally. My experience but, with that yeah. is that you know, if I buy fresh eggs, not, not farm fresh, but if I buy fresh eggs from the grocery store, I can't make a hard-boiled egg with it. I have to leave them in the fridge for like two or three weeks until they're like near their expiry date that's marked on the carton until I can actually peel them easily. So and that's why they do that in the, in the warehouse because they've got the temperature just nailed and they rotate the eggs in like a basically a, a hopper and then they're when they're pretty much ready just you know you got a few weeks left out of them and then they throw them in the Costco and then that's how they sell them. Kind of a good rule of thumb too if you're grabbing eggs like we get ours uh, delivered locally um, is to grab two and then leave one leave one that's like your hard boiling stash because it's true about the fresh eggs like if they sit two weeks um but i can also make a comment on the facebook page about perfect hard-boiled eggs every time if you like i would I'm like that recipe i'm still no trying problem. to master that <laughs> literally as you put them in cold cold water to start uh bring them up to a boil in the pot as soon as that uh the water starts to boil shut it off leave it seven minutes and then ice bath every time Nice. I know I, I do love make my own um, uh, pickled eggs, but the ones at Costco, um, you can buy a jar. I think it's 24 pickled eggs, and it works out to actually being almost less than buying 24. I'm not going to call them fresh eggs because Ian's going to reach over and strangle me, but it, it's almost <laughs> cheaper than buying 24 actual eggs from Costco and making your own pickled eggs. I mean, it's it's so cheap. And I mean, I know I've made my own, and I can't even touch the cost um, of these yep. things, right? So, although they don't taste as good, um, the cost is definitely kind of appealing, I guess. Oh, yeah, the eggs at Costco are super cheap, but there's also almost, like, no nutritional value to them either. Like, if you look at the egg white, it's almost like water. It's, like, so thin, right? right? And I know my, and, my father, who had chickens, the, the yolks were, like, a dark, dark color, but these were free-roaming chickens that ate everything, right? Like, bugs and all kind of yeah. stuff, and the, the, the yolks were nice dark color and the ones from costco are like just bright bright you know just there's no depth to it, to it right so yeah they actually i think we mentioned this before but they actually pick the color they want to have the yolks at depending on what feed they get fed so they can they can customize it for the audience which is even crazier of course they can <laughs> wow Oh, jeez. Oh, that's awesome. One thing I wanted to mention, one thing I forgot is I recently made um, oat milk, uh, which is something oh. I'm not a big dairy drinker myself. Not my kids are. Um, I mean, I'll have cheese and, and all that kind of stuff. It's not a dietary thing, but um, I made oat milk, so I have an abundance of oats. I wonder why. Um, but you basically soak them in water overnight. Um, the next morning, put them in the blender, and then just to add some sweetness, I added some pitted dates, um, two of them, uh, and it gives enough as a sweetness that the kids, they can tell the difference. They, they know it's not milk that comes from the white container, uh, but they actually like it, and the cost is like next to nothing because oats don't really cost a lot, right? So um, not saying I'm going to replace the, the milk um, that we have here with that, but um, I mean, I use it for cereal in the morning, and I'm just as happy as the stuff that I bought in the store. So, nice. the oat milk in the store is like outrageously marked up. Like the price is 
five dollars for four liters is insane. Well, the eye opener was when I was uh, working in the states. I remember like a four gallon, sorry, not four, a one gallon container of milk at Walmart was something like two dollars. And I guess um, I won't get into the specifics of it, but I, I think the U.S. subsidizes the, the dairy industry to the point where uh, they make it that cheap. And I was like, two dollars for a gallon of milk? That's that's unbelievable. Well, also we have the dairy board, which artificially manipulates the price here, and, and they kind of the opposite way. They subsidize the farmers, but they also can restrict with quota systems. They restrict the actual supply to the point where, like, you get Quebec farmers. A lot of them are just dumping milk back into the farm fields because they're not allowed to sell it. They're just, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. So we have dairy board influence, which is like a form of I'll, I'll say it communism. But <laughs> it makes, me a little, makes me a little angry. Yeah, it's cool. Another thing you're going to see soon is, uh, so I have friends who are beekeepers and they're saying because, you know, at the start of the season, they, they import bees or whatever to get their colonies going. And there's a lot less bees coming from the United States into Canada. So I think we're going to probably see a lot of honey prices going up this year. Yeah, I think you're right. Then we're going to see prices of all kinds of stuff going up this year. Yeah, well, yeah. part of it would probably be panic driven, like panic buy driven, just like the sale yep. of 22 ammunition right now. I'm sure it's going to go stupid, but. Uh, oh, yeah. One thing I would say about saving uh, cash, especially right now, like all the, if you're going to grocery store, no one's buying fresh produce because they feel like it's going to go bad or it's not, like it's not shelf stable, especially if they're only going out once every couple of weeks. So we've been um, like taking that kind of rot rack items so to speak um and processing them down and just tossing them in the freezer uh which seems really simple but like it, you know to do it with a bunch of peppers that are on a clearance little spot there for a dollar or um would save you a lot of time later on um and the other thing is investing in a good quality juicer to to juice that stuff down and keep it in the freezer uh so we have one it's an omega juicer it's it's widely used by like you know, commercial juiceries or, or people that are selling like fresh juice in like the, you know, the gentrified parts of town. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, it's a, it's an excellent juicer and it actually separates all the fiber out and you can actually use all that fiber um, to then create like your own veggie burger uh, or something. And the cost is next to nothing. Oh, I never thought of that. Good idea. Mm, it's a really good idea. Great idea. <laughs> I'll make some videos. We'll send it over. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Al's laughing because he's like, they're never going to do that. It's $20 a pound for pork. Right. Uh, giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made a convert-ish out of him, so we'll work on it. All right. Come back for a few more episodes. You might convert us. Or just we actually have a whole thing on being vegan if you want. Just come yeah. on back. Yeah. I would I would absolutely love to do that. I mean, I'm always down for some fresh ideas. I have a daughter who's a vegetarian. Or, a, I mean, she eats, like, eggs and, and cheese and stuff like that, but it's mm -hmm. mainly all vegetables. And now, sometimes she says, Dad, I miss meat, but I'm afraid to eat it. So, you know, she still goes for things like veggie burgers or things that seem like meat, yeah. you know? Although I do have a lot of serious questions about this Beyond Meat stuff. It seems to be too much of a crave and craze like Soiling Green or something. I don't know. I also have questions about it. I would say it's gonna be it's gonna be a no. I can make some like vegan bacon out of rice paper that's pretty good and you know exactly what's going into it. So I definitely am not into buying the packaged vegan stuff. I think there's some if I don't know what the ingredient is, 
readily. I don't know if I should be putting it in my body. So, uh, I mean, that's just me. I think that's, that's true. There's a lot of marketing, you know, and then when some places, some people are having a hard time buying, finding seeds. A lot of times you can go to the store and like a tomato, you can get the seeds out of a tomato to grow other tomatoes. But one thing to note is certain things like uh, I tried to grow peppers one year and they grew up all genetically mutated until I realized that they irradiate their peppers to keep people from stealing their heirloom products that they're making good money on. It's the same thing for potatoes. A lot of potatoes you can't plant in the ground um, and get them to seed. You actually have to go to the hardware store and buy seed potatoes. potatoes. Yeah, yeah, you can't true. just and use the ones from the store. I've tried making potatoes with the russet potatoes that were left in a bag. Um, didn't work. I actually had to go to home hardware and buy some seed potatoes in order for it to work. So, is it just kind of like a Terminator thing where they just make them? Yeah, they're like sterile, so they can't reproduce. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. They just turn to mush. Nothing really happens. They get the eyes, and but. They won't reproduce. Yeah, it's sad. One thing I've noticed too when it comes to canning, at least um, where I am here on the East Coast, I was looking for some more um, canning goods to uh, can more of my moonshine um, or, you know, my distilled water products. Um, and uh, there's none to be found. So, grocery store, Walmart, Canadian Tire, all these stores completely out. Um, so, I think there's been a run on that stuff, and I don't know what's going to come back. I've looked at Amazon. Uh, it's either it's not in stock or it's, two, it's $200 for, you know, 12, 12 jars. So, I'm Sorry, but I'm not going to buy that. So, um, so at least here on, on the East Coast, um, that's that's what I'm seeing. That's been the same for the last two or three weeks. I just can't can't find anything when it comes to canning stuff or supplies. I'm sorry. As soon as this is a, like the stores are reopened, you're going to find all that stuff in the secondhand store for ten cents. So, yeah, up then. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> so it's going to happen. Everyone's like, "Oh, cute new hobby," and then it's not going to last. <laughs> You know, that's a good point. Half of my kitchen yeah. comes from Value Village. The same Tupperware four liter jug that you pay $50 from a Tupperware wrap, it can find at Value Village for $5. Well, and so. one thing I've started yep. doing now, too, is when I'm buying stores or, sorry, items in a grocery store, I'm looking for items that come in mason jars because um, I'll easily be able to recycle those. And there's a lot of things like some jams and spreads um, that come in actual mason jars that you can re reuse. So I'll bet it'll take a while to kind of build up a supply doing it this this way. One, it's going to be a cost saving. And two, um, you know, when it comes to times like these, when you can't actually find new ones, you can reuse the ones that you have um, with this once you consume what's in them from the grocery store. Kind of like reloading. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. Your wife's going to wonder why all of a sudden you're eating all this peanut butter and jam, right? <laughs> Spend it all on projectiles. <laughs> yep. <laughs> One point about canning, too, is that, you know, a lot of people make it out to be super difficult. It's hard. You need, you know, all the specialized equipment. And you got to think that you're like, great, great, great grandma was doing it with like a pot in her kitchen. So, um, you know, we did a bunch of kind of my first exploration into canning last year. And when I called my grandma for the consultation, it was don't mess around with any of that stuff. Boil some water, make sure the jars are sterilized, good to go. And I would say every single jar except for one turned out. So if people are intimidated wow. by canning, don't be. It was an afternoon, it was easy. Awesome. Nice. Well, do we want to tackle the, uh, the gummies thing? Oh, yeah. You know what? Oh, what an adventure. 
that's another reason why I've made my own uh, distilled products. Uh, I just put a bucket on a 22 uh, liter bucket and six, six big bags of sugar. And so I used some bread yeast to get it going. And uh, I'm going to distill that down because I make uh, extracts, uh, THC and uh, CBD extracts that I use in things like making suckers or things like that because, you know, uh, I need those things to help me sleep or for arthritis or things like that. And you can process it with Alcool that they sell in Quebec if you can get to Quebec right now. And it's uh, about $70 for 1.17 liters. Whereas for under $20, I can get three liters. So, you know, do the math. Uh, just for my own self, it doesn't make sense to go and buy something at the store and pay all the tax. But uh, I can help you out with that stuff. That's no problem. When it comes to uh, recipes or, or whatever. Hey, uh, breaking news, guys. I just... Uh got back from the wife there so if you want to have fresh eggs that are uh, easy to peel uh you steam them you don't boil them so steam, steam. them for 15 uh -huh. ste yeah steam them for 15 minutes and the uh, the shell will come off a little easier 10 to 15 she hmm. says. Well, that's interesting yeah i did uh when i did my pickled eggs i did them just like how claire said basically a big pot on the stove so i did 20 eggs at a time and by the way, if, in case you're wondering, 10 eggs fit in a one-liter jar. Ah, so. Perfect. That skill testing question comes up in the future. I know the answer now. Well, you know what? When I was trying to make pickled eggs, I couldn't find anyone that knew the answer to that. How many eggs do I need or how many jars do I need? No one knew. So now you know. Perfect. 10. Yeah. Eight. Well... Shall we move into the podcast challenge? We're getting up to about an hour. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> uh, podcast challenge. So this uh, week, we're going to ask you to cook something you don't normally cook, but uh, use your stored food preps. So let us know what you keep up with. So whether it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, some uh, homemade beans, uh, chili or something. I don't know. Just uh, come up with something uh, unusual. Yeah. Then uh, fire it into feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and let us know what you whipped up, and we'll include it in the next episode. It's some upcoming events. All right, so I was actually, when I was on the last episode of Slamfire there, we were talking about the uh, podcaster charity shoot. Um, still hosted by Slamfire Radio. Still so far planned for July 4th, 2020 in Balmoral, New Brunswick, which is the Restigouche Gun Club. Uh, this year's charity choice is the Rod Harkwell Memorial Fund. Uh, there's a link in the there uh, in the show notes there, as well as how to register on Practice Square if you want to buy tickets. Now, there is, because we're in lockdown, they came up with a deadline. So if we're still in lockdown by May 15th, they're going to cancel it. But your option will be one of kind of three things. You can get your money back if you want. You can just leave the money in there just to donate to the charity anyway. Or they might, sounds like they might kind of entertain the idea of just carrying forward to next year, kind of like they're doing with the Olympics in Japan, and uh, just leave you uh, booked for next year's charity shoot. Hmm. So there is options. All right. And uh, I guess I'll take Alan's. We've got hey, sorry, to that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Emergency repair this week, May third to ninth. Uh, more details upcoming. Um, events around the country have been largely canceled, but uh, we can still be prepared for whatever emergencies may arise. 
And for TACCOM Canada 2020 from September 11th to 13th, the Canadian Program Podcasters Network will be in attendance. Your favorite podcasters will be on hand throughout the show. So make sure you stop by the booth to meet your favorites and pick up some swag while you're there. You can also see the details for the show in the show link. So we've got a, a link to uh, to tickets on the website at uh, prepperpodcast.ca. If you follow that link, uh, we get a dollar out of your purchase for the tickets that uh, will go towards the massive uh, bill for the internet, which we need the podcast. There you go. Also, buy a Prepper Podcast t-shirt because they're awesome and comfortable. Yes. And then you can meet us at the booth. Yep. Well, buying said t-shirt. <laughs> All right. Do we want to some shout-outs? Uh, well, I, I have a shout out and a big thank you to Claire for coming on the show tonight and for keeping me really well fed during these unprecedented times. And we are all in this together. That's two drinks that Claire now owes us. <laughs> we turn that into a drinking game. Very nice. All right. As for myself, uh, just a quick shout out to Melanie, who's watching the show right now. She's uh, uh, from Northern Elite Firearms and a uh, great little store, has a great online uh, presence as well, and they sell reloading brass. So anybody that's short can always give them a shout. A little shout out for Melanie. Thanks for tuning in. I'll have to pop by the online shop yes. after the show. Hi, Melanie. All right. So awesome. we will move into, uh, unless anybody else has some shout outs before we go. I got nothing. All right. Email and iTunes reviews then. So we are up to 53 five stars. We've got uh, five four stars, two three stars, one two star, and uh, that one little guy still at uh, one star keeping us honest. Hey, I'll take that. Oh, yeah. I'll take that all day long. Uh, and then, yeah, inbox is still uh, pretty dry. So, guys, talk to us. We're lonely yeah. and needy. We need validation of our existence. It would be great. Uh, we did get one uh, one Facebook message in uh, between the last episode and this one, just saying, you know, hey, filling in the inbox and appreciate that. Uh, but uh, if they can keep rolling in, that'd be awesome. Throw some questions in. Throw some comments. Negative comments, we'll take them too. Keeps us honest, right? So send them in uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca, or you can grab us on uh, the Facebook uh, chat as well. Right on. All right. So with that, I will bring uh, episode number 64 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Uh, help us out. Submit a review. It helps other people find us. We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. That will give you alerts when we are going live. If you want to contact me directly, you can find me on Instagram at PPSWO or uh, by email, alan at prepper, CanadianPrepperPodcast.ca. It's just Prepper Podcast. Pre that's prepper okay. Podcast. Maybe that's why I never get any emails. It might be. <laughs> Uh, does Claire have any uh, contact information? Or um, probably just through me would be the easiest. She sees that same. She sees the same. Uh, the same things through the through Instagram that I do. So, cool. Right, Colin. Okay, uh, you can reach me on Instagram at uh, CJ Saunders one uh, one. I am also on Facebook, and I also have a public profile page for veteran advocacy on Facebook as well. And for myself, I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com or he was at prepperpodcast.ca. And I also have my own YouTube channel. Just search hfxprepper. All right. You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandrecruit at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. Uh, we record Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern. 
Uh, there you can find us discussing why government waste and society triggered my Tourette syndrome. <laughs> you really are just podcast fun, uh, eh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can get me there on the live chat while you're buying some prepper gear that is actually slowly coming uh, back in the stock. So wise food orders we come in. So that's good. Uh, and you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.